your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back, McCaffrey rolling right, looking to throw to football, steps, throws to downfield, J.D. Spielman makes a catch, five, touchdown, Nebraska! Luke McCaffrey to J.D. Spielman, and it's a one-score game again here in Lincoln. Sports Nightly during the holidays is presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you and good evening. After a night off last night, we're back in a full three hours, ready to head your way. And actually, it'll be our last show of the week. Tomorrow night, we'll have Husker Volleyball as they take part in the NCAA Tournament. First round action tomorrow, the Huskers and Ball State Cardinals set to play tomorrow night. Here's what we have coming up on the show tonight. Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World-Herald, will join us here a little bit later on in the hour. We'll get his take about the wrap-up of the Husker football season, his take on the 2019 campaign, and where is this program headed? We'll get all those thoughts from Tom coming up later on in the hour. Hour number two, Lauren Cook-West will be here. She'll preview the Husker volleyball regional matchup tomorrow night with Ball State. We'll get her take on being the number five overall national seed in the matchup with the Cardinals and then maybe the Missouri Tigers and or the UNI Panthers. This will be the earlier matchup tomorrow. So Lauren will be with us in hour number two. We'll have our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks tonight. Looking forward to that. We only have one game to pick. That should make it easy, right? <laughs> Can't imagine a lot of thoughts going to have yeah. to go into it. No, I d- was awful last week, by the way. I, d- I know that I failed miserably. I know. Uh, I missed Northwestern Illinois. I know Purdue let me down. And you correctly picked the Wisconsin Minnesota. Yeah, but I had a chance. I had a chance for a big week if uh, if Purdue would have came through and got got one defensive stop. Right, almost did. Yeah, almost did. We'll get we'll get the uh, updated standings and our picks for the week uh, coming up in hour number two. Also, we'll have our big red replay in the second hour of the program from the Nebraska Lottery. A chance for somebody to be a winner. We will play a snippet of last week's game with Iowa. If you can be the first person to call in in hour number two and correctly identify the play, we will make you a winner. Third hour of the show, it's Thursday night. That means Teddy Greenstein will be here from the Chicago Tribune. And we'll also tell you about our good friends at Spreetail. They've been collecting money throughout the football season to help the food banks here in the region. We'll see how they fared uh, at the end of the year. All that coming up in the third hour of the show. But we start off with really some pretty disturbing news as it relates to Husker football. This broke this afternoon. Paula Levine, who is a Nebraska graduate, lives up in the Omaha area, writes for ESPN, uh, has a story, Ben, that about two Nebraska football players who we actually were asked about earlier this week. We had a caller ask about the status of Andre Hunt and Katerian Legrone, who were suspended from the football team in late August. Uh, Paula Levine breaks the story that those two players have been suspended for the team and were found to have violated the school's sexual misconduct policy, and they face a a two-and-a-half-year suspension from the university. According to a source familiar with this investigation, Hunt and Legrone were involved in an incident off campus on the 25th of August Uh, The report states that the greater weight of the evidence supported that the two men engaged in sexual assault and sexual harassment in violation of the university's sexual misconduct policies. And as of December the 4th, which was yesterday, they have seven university business days in which to file an appeal if they don't request administrative resolution or appeal within those seven days. The suspension will be final. Uh, The attorneys for both Uh, Parties have reacted to this. There were no charges filed in in this whole situation. Uh, There was a reported incident to the Lincoln Police Department the night that it happened, but no criminal charges have been filed, according to the Lancaster County attorney, Pat Condon. So, Andre Hunt, Katerian Legrone, I think it's very safe to say will no longer be a part of Husker football. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like, you know, without getting updates throughout the year that, you know, the case was serious enough to where that that wouldn't be the case. But, you know, anytime you see the story finally break of, you know, public record and, um, you know, having it basically be, be released in a in a story format, 
uh, whether it's Nebraska or any school regarding a suspension, you kind of brace for impact of, of what the details are. Uh, the story certainly no different. And um, obviously big time lapse of judgment, punishment required. And this is, you know, a, a night that these two young men and, you know, are going to regret for the rest of their lives. And unfortunately for the, for the young woman, you know, you hope she's not traumatized for the you know rest of her life having to go through this. It's um, it's it's a terrible situation to be in. Um, you know, football is, is secondary to you know, some something like this happening. But um, I would encourage people to go read the story on ESPN if you haven't read it already. But um, yeah, I I would be utterly floored if these guys ever put on a Husker jersey ever again. It's a disturbing read, I will say that. If you haven't read it, there's some pretty graphic details in the read. And let's also throw this out, too. These guys are innocent until proven guilty. There have been no charges filed. The university, though, with their own investigation, have determined that there was enough for them to suspend the two young men two and a half years, which coincides with the uh, young ladies term to be in school so that she can finish out her school without the shadow of this hanging over so nobody's been found guilty in a court of law but there's certainly a lot to this story that looks to looks to have an awful lot of substance behind it but i do want to put that out there so go read it um again we somebody called earlier in the week and asked if we knew any update on these two young men well there's your update right there that the university has filed for those two to be suspended from school for the next two and a half years uh, also, for Husker football today, a decommitment for the 2020 recruiting class. Jamoy Hodge, who's a linebacker from Independence Junior College, who committed to Nebraska nine days ago, decommitted today, dropping Nebraska's class down to a 14-person class at this point in time. This was a quick flip. Um, the Omaha World Herald reached out to Hodge today, and he just texted back, if you want an explanation, ask the coach. You can read a lot into that. Does that mean he he had a misunderstood he misunderstood what they were saying, or maybe he had he thought he was going to be the only linebacker recruited this class, and he's finding out that not to be true. I don't know. Uh, that's speculation. There. That's the only comment from Hodge. Obviously, Nebraska football has had no comment about this. This is a quick flip. I mean, this is this is the guy he was here for. I think the Wisconsin game was when he was on campus. Ben committed a couple of days right after that. That was that night where both. We had two commitments from junior college backers within about an hour and a half of each other, but now Hodge comes off the table. Yeah, I, know, I think it was yesterday or the day before that he tweeted out, uh, you know, a photo of of himself in a Husker uniform with a little emoji saying "very soon." You know, the emoji of of signing a you know a handwriting and a, and a piece of paper, and and you you kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, this this guy's definitely in. It, it just it's another another thing that happens in recruiting. You just you just um, man, it's just really hard to to kind of fathom, you know, the ups and downs and all the, the turns in the road when it comes to recruiting, especially this late in the game. Um, yeah, so unfortunately for Nebraska, the the middle linebacker that they thought they got a little over a week ago um, doesn't sound like he has any interest in coming back to Nebraska on signing day. Uh, it sounds like major damage control is required for whatever it is, but you know, at this point, it might be better for both parties to just move on. But, um, yeah, not news I expected to hear today after seeing that that tweet that he put out that he couldn't wait to sign here in a few days. So the the coaches have been out all week. They left on Sunday. Uh, they've been visiting various recruits, a lot of them that have already committed to Nebraska. They've been in some of their homes. They've also been in some homes of young men, student-athletes that have not committed anywhere. They are headed back to Lincoln tonight and will be here for the weekend, the coaches are. They have four to five official visits that will be taking place in Lincoln this weekend. We're now at 13 days and counting for the signing day. It's on the 18th of this month, so here we are on December the 5th. So you have 13 days. This will be a big weekend. You're sitting now at 14 after the decommitment of Hodge. I know they would like to get into the low 20s. That's a lot of ground to cover in 13 days. You hope their hit rate's pretty good this weekend with four or five being here. You'd like to get a clean sweep. That's hard to do, but there's still work to. There's a lot of work to still be done in the next 13 days. Yeah, and and you feel the pressure in doing that amount of time. I know there's another signing day in February, but the percentage of athletes remaining that you know you feel are the caliber to, to fulfill what you're trying to do as a program shrieks by 80 to 90 percent. So. Uh, you want to get all your done, all your all your work done here in the next few few weeks, and 
you know, you hope you can make up some of the ground and you you took a step backwards today too. I'm saying 13 days. It's actually really only about 10 for contact because the contact period, you, you it stops Sunday night, which would be like the 15th. You, you can't have contact with them after that. So really you got about from now until the Sunday night, the 15th to be having contact with these individuals, whether it be via phone in person and then, then it's cold turkey until the Wednesday signing period so that these young men have everybody back away so that they can clear their head and make a, a decision on the 18th. So it, there is just a lot of ground to be covered by this staff. Big weekend coming up with those four to five visits. We'll continue to cover this, obviously, and uh, stay on top of this. But the tough news today with the decommitment of Hodge, class drops back to 14. Again, I know the goal is to try to get to 2021. Uh, for this early period so that you only have a couple left to, to put on the board in February. All right, uh, finally, we weren't on the air last night. Men's basketball uh, took the airwaves. Huskers were part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Nebraska falls to Georgia Tech um, by a final score of 73-56. to 50, or seventy-three to 56. Nebraska was only down four. It was a tough shooting night, really, for both teams. Uh, Nebraska ended up shooting 32% for the game. Georgia Tech warmed up in the second half, ended up shooting 44%. Neither team was good from three-point range. And again, the free throw woes were there for Nebraska, Ben. They got to the free throw line 18 times, but only made eight of them. And the margin for error for this team is so small that when they don't shoot free throws very well, they have a hard time winning, particularly on the road. I'm worried this is going to become a situation where when other teams are prepping for Nebraska and film and they're going through their, their scouting report, they say, if these guys get the ball inside that arc, put them on the foul line. I mean, we, we, we'll we sacrifice a foul for a possession any day of the week. And you're not very confident in anybody on Nebraska's team stepping up and knocking down a foul shot. So I have a feeling this is going to become a hack of Husker inside that restricted area and, and make the Huskers earn it from the foul line because they haven't shown that they can do that on a consistent level. Um, I feel like the three-point shooting has been way more missed than hit. I think there are going to be some games where the Huskers light it up from downtown, but last night certainly wasn't one of them. And when you're not making your three-pointers, I'd sure like to see them be more careful with the basketball. I mean, at times it's almost like they're playing street ball out there with the way that they, you know, um, you know, handle the ball and the passes they choose to make and uh, just not very making very good decisions with the ball. And I think when you're trying to play so fast and get up and down and run – you know, a lot of times you're careless with the ball and you make bad decisions, and that's certainly been the case for uh, for the Husker offense. And when you're playing good teams and you don't defend at a great level, you better value every possession you get with that ball. 18 turnovers for Nebraska last night in that game. That was way too many. A lot of just empty possessions where you don't even get a shot up because you turn the ball over. But your three-point shooting, Gervais Green, three for ten. Deshaun Burke, one for five. Deshaun on the night, one for nine from the floor. Uh, you had Cam Mack last night, only four for 11, shooting the basketball. He was one for three from behind the line. So just not enough offense and couldn't get stops. Michael DeVoy was really good for Georgia Tech. He's came into the game as the leading scorer in the ACC, and he didn't hurt himself at all in that category. As he had 26 for the Yellow Jackets as they beat Nebraska by 17 last night against 73 to 56. And now the Huskers are four and four, and, and they're in a brutal stretch right now, Ben. I mean, it started with Georgia Tech last night. They go to Creighton on Saturday, then open league play next Friday in Indiana before coming home and playing Purdue, who, oh, by the way, whacked the defending national champions, the Virginia Cavaliers, last night in West Lafayette. This is a really, really difficult stretch that Nebraska began last night. Yeah, uh, the tune-ups are gone. <laughs> so, you know, those uh, kind of preseason games are behind you, and you better buckle up. This is what we've been talking about. This is what you pre prepare for all offseason, and, you know, you better get going because – None of these teams are going to feel sorry for you, you know, if you if you catch a couple losses. They're going to come after you and, um, you know, see a, a vulnerable opponent and, and, you know, try and take advantage of their opportunities. So for this team in particular, you know, it starts with the bounce back against an in-state rival, a game that's very important. And, you know, if you know, like like just like Nebraska would, if if you if they see if we saw Creighton is vulnerable, you'd, you'd expect to go up there and put one on them. And so the same th same thing for them as well. So. Then conference play gets started. I put out a tweet last night, and I it wasn't that long ago that I was in Chicago at Hoops Media Day. It's going, this might not be a bad year for 
Coach Hoiberg in year one. Well, that was immediately wrong from based on what we're seeing around the league this year. Some really, really, really good teams in the league this year. Big Ten did win the challenge over the ACC. I think the, maybe the most surprising result was Ohio State going to Carolina and just bombing the Tar Heels. That was an impressive win. Purdue's win was really impressive. Michigan State struggled, but you know Tom Izzo will find something before this season gets over. But uh, tough night for the Huskers last night. Only down four and a half, but end up losing 73-56. to They'll be at Creighton Saturday, 1.30 for tip-off against the Blue Jays. Do want to congratulate Amy Williams, Huskers. Terrific performance last night at PBA. They beat Duke 83-79. Amy Williams has that squad at 8-1. and one. Two non-conference games to go, both very, very winnable. they got a real chance of being 10-1 and one when they start league play uh, later on in the month. So lots of Husker news to cover here on the program tonight. When we come back, we'll sit down and talk, chat with Tom Chattel, the Omaha World Herald, the lead columnist for that publication. Get his take on the concluded Husker football season and what's ahead in his eyes for Husker football. On the main channel tonight, though, Sports Highly, we're delighted to welcome on board that program Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald. You can also read his work online at omaha.com. Good evening, Tom. How are you on this fine Thursday? Well, Missouri, the Missouri Northern Iowa bracket would be the Norm Stewart bracket. But uh, only old guys like us know that. Storm and Norman. Coached at you and I, did he? That's right. I forgot about that. Who's Missouri going to hire for their football coach? Got any insight on that? Uh, no. That uh, another one of those uh, things that goes back to the um, one of the rules of college football. Uh, don't fire a coach unless you got one ready to go, huh. or unless you got somebody re- somebody better ready to go. Um, you know, uh, Odom wasn't terrible. But in that week, in that division, uh, you know, he, he was he was going to have a ceiling. And, um, you know, they actually got to a great start this year, and then they lost to Vanderbilt and they all fall apart. That was about the, uh, the most Missouri thing that, that could have happened. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't know who uh, – I keep hearing about Florida State uh, getting uh, a turn down left and right. So, uh, it's one of those deals where a lot of guys are going to get raises. I would keep an eye on Willie Fritz, the Tulane head coach who was at Central Missouri. I think he might have a foot up. But we didn't we didn't have you come on here to talk about the Tigers. We came to talk a little Husker football here. Uh, the 2019 <laughs> yeah, the uh, 2019 season did not go the way many of us thought it would. What uh, what kind of takeaways have you had now that you've had about a week to digest the end of the season? Yeah, here's my theory, and that's all I got. Uh, I I believe in uh, karma. I believe in the football gods. I believe that uh, everything is not an accident. Um, and so my theory is that it's right now the football gods are making it so bad for Nebraska, and it's it just feels like were they ever going to get out of this? Um, three straight years, no bowl. Um, Where's it? You know, how much can you take? I think the football gods are saying, the next time you go to a bowl, the next time you're seven and five or eight and four, you're going to appreciate the hell out of it, and you will never ever fire a nine win a nine win coach again. <laughs> that's all I can. That's all I got. That's all I can come up with because uh, I realize we, you know, they weren't going to be nine and three this year, but. We sure as heck thought they, they would be at least six and six, and um, it, 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 it tried, 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 to be, tried to be a, a, a pretty fragile season, uh, right from the Colorado game on. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> just, it, it can feel like a perfect storm the other way from you know when Frost was at UCF and the perfect storm that year, everything on that team came together. Feels like these guys can't get out of their way, can't make the right play call, have an injury or the wrong guy out, and uh, run into the wrong team at the wrong time. It's um, it, it's it's just kind of it, it's just baffling in a lot of ways too. I mean, I, we understand why things are happening, and it's going to take a while, but you know, it just feels like they just can't get out of their own way. 
Three and nine is the record for Scott Frost in in two years in games decided by a touchdown or less. That that's yeah. the number that sticks to me. Do you think he'll make staff changes, Tom? What's your feel on that? Well, no, I, I don't think so this year. I think it would, would, would have already happened um, because you got to recruit. Um, so no, I don't think it'll happen this year. I'm not sure it will. You know, we'll see what happens next year, but. You know the, the the you know the difference. You know Tom Osborne you know, told me well he inherited Bob Devaney's staff. And I go, well, I, I probably waited too long to to fire some guys. Well, but that wasn't his staff. This is Scott's staff. Everybody is a Scott Frost guy. Okay, they're all so not like he doesn't know what he's got. But I think they're going to get a lot of time. Uh, I think unless things get really bad, uh, which are special teams or defense. Um, but I think you got you got to get, um, especially on defense, more players. And I expect defense to probably take a step back this year. And a lot of guys out there, a lot of young guys, r- running into things, and but not really not not knowing wh- where they're going. Uh, kind of playing with their heads cut off a little bit. But they're going to play hard, and um, you know maybe we'll see what, what, what we got by the end of the year. But um, on paper. Probably going to take a step back. Um, I mean, the offense—you got to have a quarterback. Starts right, starts with the quarterback who's got to make plays. So, um, but anyway, as far as staff, I don't think anything will happen now. I think it's still too soon. Um, the important thing to remember, Greg, is these guys are in their fourth year. You know, you hired a staff that had two years' experience. Um, in the case of 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 of, of, a, of a Barry Rude, never coached. <laughs> Never been in that position. Uh, you're throwing him in at Nebraska in the Big Ten, which in my mind is the, the best coaches league in the country, uh, top to bottom. Uh, there's no weeks off, um, especially now with, with, with uh, uh, Siano there. He's a very good coach. He's going to fit right in. Um, and so these guys are learning on the run against a league where – you know they 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 are going to try to beat you, and they're very sound, and um, they can they, they can out scheme anybody. Um, so Scott doesn't have any have any magic schemes that are going to work. It takes players; they got to recruit, but they got to clean up the mistakes. And uh, so again, this is the fourth year, and you know Eric Shenander has been a coordinator at this level twice, two years. Okay, it is what a I want lessons to learn. Uh, Scott Frost, we think he'll be a, a great play caller. He was last year at Ohio State. Uh, we had Urban Meyer and he had Chase Young on the run in that game. Um, that's, I guess, at Iowa. Some great, great, great offense. This year didn't work out as well. Um, I, you know, I just think it, it's going to take, um, because of the schedule, you know, I wrote, don't have any timetable, don't have a schedule. It just, it'll just make you mad. It doesn't work out. But I think it's, we're talking about five or six years. I really do. Tom Chattel's with us, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald. Again, you can read his work online at omaha.com. One of the most popular Huskers of all time, Tom, is Tommy Frazier. And he's been pretty critical uh, of Scott Frost and this staff. You, uh, I think, had a chance to talk with Tommy, or you wrote about Tommy earlier this week. What, what's what's behind all this? Do you think? Well, Tommy's very outspoken. Always has been. He was he was critical of the the Buck Laney staff and uh, and uh, of uh, Tim Beck and just all up and down the line. He's but he'll he'll also when it's when he wants to be positive, he'll let you know too. So, but. Um, He's always enjoyed uh, speaking his mind. He didn't always like interviews when he played. Um, I wonder what the Tommy Frazier, the player, w- w- would have thought about Twitter. <laughs> but uh, here he is on Twitter, and uh, he's got a platform, and he's going to use it. So um, not sure he and Frost have ever been great friends. Uh, not sure we're ever going to do Christmas cards. Um, uh, but – it's just the way it is. And so, um, you know, I wrote, he has the people get all bent out of shape because I said he has the right to do it. Well, we all have a right to, you know, if any, if anything Twitter has shown us, anybody has the right to tweet. <laughs> and in fact, they do. But <laughs> I, 
But Tommy, you know, is one of the all-time warriors in the program, won championships. Um, you know, he's played hurt. He's, he's, you know, he's taken all the shots. Um, I think there is a, a certain credibility that goes, I mean, when he says something, people are going to listen. They might not agree. And in this case, a lot of them I, 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 I do not agree. But uh, I, I thought it was newsworthy. So, yeah, I, I thought uh, that that would be worth something putting in. All right, very good. we got a little basketball to cover Saturday, don't you? A little Creighton-Nebraska matchup? Yeah, uh, we – I, I, I did Creighton practice today. We'll hit Nebraska tomorrow. And um, the Creighton isn't very deep. They're, they're kind of run down. They've had a lot of games. Uh, but, uh, of course, Nebraska will, will not feel sorry for them at all. But uh, uh, Creighton's going to – they're going to play like Nebraska, but they're going to shoot better. <laughs> they're going to make probably a lot more. Uh, unless Nebraska shows up and, and starts filling them up. In that case – it, it could be a horse race, um, but you know they they've, they rebound probably a little bit better than Nebraska. They're not great rebounding. Uh, the placing defense, um, but they, the whole building will be full of energy. It's it's a it's you know a game that you know Creighton's program is obviously ahead of where Nebraska is, but uh, anything can happen in this game. Uh, Creighton, all the players remember last year what that felt like. They hadn't lost to Nebraska in a long time. And to lose like that, um, you know, with all the little things the fans were doing, I <laughs> the dollar bills and the things I said, there's some long memories uh, on the hilltop for that. So, you know, they'll, they'll, try, to, they'll, try, to give, they'll try to get in their best shot. And uh, But um, I, I just love the game. I think it's, it's, it's great. And in a lot of ways, amazing that we have two coaches in this area who are running NBA offenses. And uh, when you think about the history of the programs, that that kind of blows your mind. Um, you know, Nebraska doesn't have all those kind of players yet, but boy, once they get them, it's it's going to be uh, I think a lot of fun. And um, no predictions. Okay, I learned my lesson. No predictions. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of that business, too. Tom, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game on Saturday. We'll see you there. Thanks. Thanks. Tom Chattel, the lead economist of the Omaha World Herald. Chatter and delighted to welcome on board the program, Lauren Cook-West, who uh, is probably knee-deep into prep for the Ball State Cardinals. Before we talk about this weekend, Lauren, um, your thoughts about this team, 25-4, and um, pretty good year, right? Honestly, Greg, I was very impressed. I was almost surprised. That may be a better word. I didn't think they would do that. Well, I thought this team has potential, and I and I know that um, when they're playing their best, they can play at a pretty high level. But with all of the changes and the new players and no seniors and new leaders, I just didn't think that it would mold together that quickly. But they have great team chemistry, and I've always said you can have – you know, the most talented team in the world, but if they don't have team chemistry, they're not going to go very far. Whereas this team, yes, they have talent. It's not Stanford talent or Wisconsin talent, but they have amazing team chemistry. And I think that's what helped them have such a successful big 10 season and only have four losses going into the NCAA tournament. Okay. Before the selection show, where, where, what national seed did you think Nebraska was going to get? I was thinking anywhere between six and ten. Yeah, me too. I, I was surprised with the five, weren't you? I mean, you have to be a little bit surprised. I, I was surprised, but I also wasn't. And you have to remember, Greg, the Big Ten is – and this isn't just my opinion. I, I think a lot of people would agree with me on this, but the Big Ten is – if not the most difficult volleyball conference to play in. It's either the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. But this year, the Big Ten had the most teams in the tournament. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and just say that it is the toughest conference to play in. So I think when the selection committee looked at, you know, who Nebraska faced in the Big Ten and then also who we played in preseason and then who are, I mean, we lost to Purdue. Purdue's, uh, you know, a top, they're in the top 16 seeds. Uh, we lost to Stanford. Stanford is hosting a regional, so they're a top four seed. And then we lost to Wisconsin, who ended up winning the Big Ten. I mean, those are, even though they're losses, um, they're good losses because they were to, to some incredible teams. So I think when the selection committee was going about this, uh, they factored in how difficult that Big Ten 
season is, how hard our preseason schedule was, and then um, you know who we lost to, and, and those are all pretty good losses. Hey, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any doubt the Big Ten is the best volleyball league in the country, and yet only Wisconsin will be able to stay on home court to get to the Final Four. They reward two Big 12 teams in Baylor and Texas. The, to me, that was where my head my gripe. How, how does that league deserve getting one and two basically in, in the seeding process? To me, that seemed to be a miss. I, maybe I'm nitpicking here, but I, I didn't like <laughs> the fact that Big 12 got one and two. I, we agree on something, and I'm I'm glad we agree on this because I was really frustrated when that came out. And I, I had a feeling that, uh, both Baylor, JB and I, I think we talked about this on a broadcast, but we were both thinking that Baylor and Texas were going to get be able to host regionals and get a top four seed, which does not make sense because of this Big 12 conference. And really the only time they're playing ranked opponents is when they play each other and yeah. they split. Other than that, I mean, they're in the Big 10, you're playing a top 10 ranked opponent on back-to-back nights. I mean, we had to play at Minnesota and then Wisconsin. And you just don't have that in the Big 12. So I'm a little disappointed, but I'll say this. I think I'm I'm guessing it will be Baylor because they don't have a lot of experience going deep into the tournament, but I'm a little concerned that they may get upset. I I told JB the same thing. One of those two, and maybe both, don't make the Final Four. But, boy, they made Nebraska's trail pretty tough having to go through Wisconsin, but that's for another week. Let's break into the the, the group that's here this weekend. Let's start with Ball State. Haven't been in the tournament in in eight years, 2011, the last time they were there. What's the early scout that you've seen on Ball State? There, it's it's more scouting for Nebraska. So when you play teams, usually first and second round teams, you're just more so worried about your side of the net. So the Huskers are, you know, figuring out, okay, we need to pass well. So they're focusing on passing this week. We need to serve tough. Uh, they've been focusing on serving, which they kind of always focus on, on those two aspects. But they're also diving deep into what their game plan is going to be, um, which – I don't want to give that away just in case any Ball State fans are, are listening in, but they'll go, they'll talk, coach, the coaching staff will talk with Nicklin and, and they'll figure out a game plan of, of who she's going to set to early on in the match, how she's, you know, they're going to get the best matchups, um, how she's going to generate, get the offense going or generate some offense. Um, so it's more so just taking care of your side of the net and then playing low air and playing consistently, which lately we've seen from this Husker team. So I think as long as they take care of their side of the net, um, it, it really doesn't matter who Ball State's playing or, or what they're doing on their side of the net. Huskers should be able to uh, take care of business. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about the All-Big Ten. Three Huskers get first team in, in Lauren, Lexi, and Nicklin. Uh, Matty Kubik was named the, the freshman of the year in the league. You good with, you good with the All-League selections? Yes, I think those all four of those players, it, well, and Kenzie Knuckles as well, was on the freshman, freshman. team, but uh, yeah. they all deserve those awards, and, and they've worked really hard this season, and um, they've all improved as the season has gone on. So I, I'm also going to guess that Maddie, I mean, she's up, she is obviously in the running for National Freshman of the Year, but I think she has a pretty good shot at that. And uh, that would just be an exciting award. I mean, Coach Cook always says that you don't you don't worry about awards; they don't mean anything. They're mo- they're more so a team award than anything, not individual awards. So uh, it would be pretty cool though if, if Maddie was able to uh, win that award of National Freshman of the Year. But I think we're going to see a, a couple All Americans as well. Obviously, whenever you have players who are all Big Ten um, usually translate into being a part of the all-regional team, and then that goes into uh, all-American selection. Okay, the NCAA tournament, is, it's different in, in some ways, I'm sure. You try to make it as normal as possible, but what, what is, does the body react differently? or Are you nervous when you get on the court for an NCAA match? Take us through that and, and harken back to your playing days. Uh, you definitely are more nervous, and it's everything's online because if you lose, your season's over. And so I, I think there's just an extra added amount of pressure when you're going into the tournament. And no matter who the opponent is, whether you're playing in the first round or, you know, in, in a regional final, it's you're still feeling that pressure. And um, but that's why it's so important that you play a tough preseason schedule and then a tough conference schedule. And so these girls they're prepared to uh, have some of these 
big matchups and, and they know what it's like to play with pressure. So I think they're going to have no problem going to the tournament, but I do have to tell you this, Greg, <laughs> this is the most stressful time of the year for our family for obvious reasons. Coach Cook, his, uh, his stress levels at an all time high, my stress levels at an all time high. I think uh, someone was telling me they might put a camera in, in the radio booth of JB and I, and they're going to see some wild expressions for me because <laughs> I just, I can't handle this time <laughs> of the year. And then the best is my, my younger brother, um, who's now much older, but when he was younger and we would get to the tournament, my mom, he couldn't even sit in the um, gym and, and, or in the seats and watch the game because he gets so stressed out and so worked up when he was younger. So my mom actually missed some national championship matches because she would be walking Taylor outside um, on the concourse because he would get so stressed out. (laughs) Wow. Well, let's hope for some stress-free matches, both Friday and Saturday. Looking forward to the call with you and JB starting tomorrow night. Great job all year long. And we appreciate you taking some time out tonight to give us some updates. Thanks so much, Greg. I always love chatting with you, so I'm happy to come on whenever you want me. But thanks again, and, yeah, go Big Red. Hopefully it is an easy weekend. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin, back with you on a Thursday night at Sports Nightly, our last show of the week. We'll have Oscar Volleyball on the air tomorrow night. So we need to work in our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten Picks, presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. And before we pick the Big Ten title game between Ohio State and Wisconsin, uh, we need to get an update on the – Weekly, what happened last week and what, where we stand on the season. Who's got, who's got the results back there? Uh, I do. This is Tim speaking. And, hi, Tim. Uh, yeah, no, hi, Ben. Good, good to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> so, well, everyone went four of six besides uh, Josh Hilkman, who is uh, might as well call him Josh Stradamus, got a perfect six of six. Uh, most of the same games trip people up. Uh, a lot of people were confident in Lovey Smith. Um, getting the win over Northwestern, but a, a future Northwestern team did get the win over Lovey Smith and the bunch. Ben, you got tripped up on Purdue. You thought they were going to win the old Oaken Bucket. It was they actually, should have won the old Oaken Bucket, Tim. Well, well, unfortunately, Indiana pulled away there. Penn State, uh, they swept the board there. Minnesota, uh, that tripped up Greg and Nate. They both wanted to row the boat, but unfortunately, Wisconsin boat raced them, so... Uh, Greg and Ben, Greg and Nate, sorry, are wrong on that one. And then Michigan State, everyone picked them, so good for everyone there. So Greg, Ben, and Nate all went four of six. Josh went six of six, and then Josh on the back season, in this thing. Oh yeah. Uh, so Josh finished seventy-six of ninety-three. Nate was seventy-eight of ninety-three. Ben seventy-seven of ninety-three, and Greg seventy-four. Yeah. Of 93, a very careers. distant fourth place. So Still Nate got bowl season. Got bowl games, yeah. We got bowl games. That's well, that's true. All right, I will, I will hold off on crowning Nate the champion. But, no, no uh, he he hasn't won this yet. <laughs> I, I've seen many a Nate Roar collapses before. So yeah, I'm sitting baby at, ain't over. I'm sitting at nine of twelve. I got into the game a little bit late. I might have to make up some ground here, some pretty significant ground. But uh, the, cra- the the crazy thing is how how many different games we all picked last week like we were all different on a few but it ended up not mattering right yeah we all like veered off on one or two different games and all of a sudden bam right back to where we started yeah a bit of a holding pattern but josh uh nipping on your guys's heels here well this week of course just the one game the big 10 championship game ohio state and wisconsin nate's got the buckeyes josh has the buckeyes brett has the buckeyes and i also have ohio state but greg and ben down to you guys who do you got Buckeyes. <laughs> Just, <laughs> no uh, I watched there. this game uh, a few months ago. Terrible, terrible conditions. And it was lucky for Wisconsin that those conditions were that bad or that would have been an even bigger blowout. They just don't have the horses. It's, you know, w- what's the motivation for Ohio State? Playing a <laughs> national semifinal. They're in. They can lose and still be in. Don't you think? I think they can lose and it doesn't matter. They're still going to be one of the four. So I, I'm wondering about the motivation of them, whether they just go, well, we, we've already beat these guys once. We're, we're in. We, we can lose and still get in. We, that don't want to be our first loss. Um, so I, I wonder about the motivation. And, and it's, it's hard to beat a team twice. That game in Columbus in that awful conditions that you referenced was really tight for the first half. Badgers were right there with them. I think this game, what's the spread? Spread is 16 and a half. I think they cover it. Um, and I think this is still a game early fourth quarter. The Buckeyes pull away. But you guys are just quick to say this is a berry job. I don't know that it is. I think Wisconsin hangs around. Give me give me the Buckeyes by three touchdowns. Wow. Oh. See, I, I, 
I wouldn't be shocked if Wisconsin covers, but that being said, I see your motivation point, but I still can't doubt Justin Fields. I mean, you're right. If they lose, they probably would still be in, although I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, they would just rather flip flip a two-loss Alabama team in there just because that's, my brain just automatically goes there to the to the SEC dominance of the playoff um, as of late. But uh, give me Ohio State. I just think they're the better team. That's all I can no, say. No, I think, I think we all agree with that, but the better teams don't always win. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's the thing. So, somebody's going to get tripped up this weekend. I, I just have a feeling, and Again, it could be Utah tomorrow night. I don't think it's Ohio State, but the Badgers really looked good in that second half against the Gophers last week. They did, but I, I think, you know, defensively, Ohio State is way better than Minnesota. I don't see Quintet Cephas doing much on those corners. Uh, Ohio State, um, you know, hopefully gets weighed back in the nickel. Uh, I think Fuller's a first-round safety. Okuda's a first-round corner. Okuda's one of the top five picks in the draft. It's, I think it, there's there's so much talent on that side of the ball. It's all and, and you know Ohio State is going to make try and make Jonathan Taylor beat him, but I don't know that he can do it. Nate's with all of us. He's he's taking Ohio State in in, in the title game of the title games. It's the second highest spread. Behind the ACC game, Clemson is a 28-point favorite on Virginia. Youch. 28. Um, LSU's favored by 6.5. You give the dogs a chance? Yeah, I do. I don't know if it's a great chance. I'm about, like, 30% chance they can get it done. Oklahoma's favored by 9. That seems high to me. Oklahoma's had a lot of close games coming down the stretch. Barely getting by Iowa State. Barely getting by Baylor. Shouldn't have beat Baylor. Baylor had him beat in that game. Barely got by Gary Patterson's TCU Horn Frogs. I think nine's way too much for the Big 12 title game. And Utah is a six-and-a-half point favorite on Oregon. So those are your spreads of your Power 5 games. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, I gotta say, I'm, I'm kind of down this week, Teddy, when the Huskers no bowl game, that means my college football season's over. It makes me sad. Yeah, man, I wish I was seeing you in Indy. Um, I, I, I picked half of the league right. I did have Ohio State coming out of the East. Uh, I had Nebraska coming out of the West, so that was a problem. I think I had Northwestern finishing second. Didn't quite happen either. Uh, so it's just weird. You know, I was traveling on uh, on Black Friday on uh, Iowa-Nebraska Day. I ended up uh, looking at, at some of your game and just seeing how conservative Scott Frost got there when, when it was the second and 20 and was seemingly content to punt. I'm sure you guys have grinded over that decision all week, so you probably don't need to revisit it. But <laughs> it's just not right in the world when Nebraska is winning four or five games. So uh, I, I really hope they get back to a standard where um, you know those fans deserve. You have kind of put a bow on the regular season at least. You kind of went through some of the best and worst in the league. What would you come up with? Yeah, I mean, so much stuff here. You know, my two games of the year were – Penn State beating Michigan uh, in the whiteout in Happy Valley, uh, Minnesota, uh, stunning Penn State for a court storming. But so much of it I wanted to do kind of the weirder, the funnier stuff. Like like the lamest game of the year was that Michigan 10-Iowa 3 game. Um, you know, let's see, the biggest tease, of course, was Maryland starting out 2-0. Uh, most painful play, Purdue losing Elijah Sindelar and Rondell Moore on yeah. the same play. And then you have like your, you know, like your worst quotes of the year, like Mark D'Antonio saying it's a dumbass question to, to wonder why he didn't alter his offensive staff. It's like, really? Who's the dumbass, buddy? Um, <laughs> and then just some of the ridiculous stats. I mean, Justin Fields has 37 touchdown passes in one pick. Yeah. Northwestern for the season, six touchdown passes. <laughs> Nebraska threw in here, used six kickers. Maryland made two field goals all year. And then, of course, Chase Young, seven sacks against Wisconsin and Penn State. So it's stuff that if you were trying to predict it early in the year, I don't think you could come up with numbers like this. How about Indiana with one passing yard in a game? That was a good one. Crazy stuff, but it's always fun. And now we're, we're into the title game weekend. And uh, sounds like it's going to be a busy weekend for a guy like Kirk Herbstreit. It looked like you talked yeah. to him this week. I did. I talked to him for a couple of stories I was working on, and he just kind of casually mentioned at the end of the interview, he's like, hey, you know, 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm calling the Pac-12 title game Friday night. Then I'm traveling through the night to get to Atlanta to be there for the SEC game. Uh, and then he said, then I'm going to leave there and go to Indianapolis and arrive at the second half of the Big Ten championship game. And I'm going to do uh, hits afterwards with Scott Van Pelt. So I said, all right, cool. I'll just put that in a little tweet. Next thing I know, the tweet's got like 3,000 likes and, you know, dozens upon dozens of comments. And, you know, the comments, I, I have to say, that, that just kind of annoy me are all the people who say, oh, I would do it for free. It's not like he's flying, you know, in, in a middle seat. I, I understand that. But for 99.9% of the people out there who've never done live TV and don't know what it's like to prepare, you know, for broadcasts and do it on very little sleep and get every single name right – and do it to a level that Herbie does it at, you know, it's, it's not easy. Everybody thinks everybody else's job is so easy. And, you know, he's not looking for sympathy, but I could tell you that is, uh, that's a pretty big warrior mentality. He doesn't have to do all that. He could easily just sit back, put his feet up, and watch these games on TV. So I think that's pretty cool that he's, uh, you know, maxing out here this weekend. I just appreciate that when he has an opinion, it's well thought out. You may not agree with it, but it's well thought out. He does his research. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of Herbie. Uh, I don't know I can say the same about one of his colleagues at ESPN. That's Paul Feinbaum, who made the comment this week, Teddy, that nobody in America wants Utah in this playoff. I, I, yeah. I, I, where'd you come down on that? I mean, I literally could not disagree anymore. And that's, you know, I just filed my, uh, my Big Ten picks for the week, and I was looking at the Utah-Oregon game, and um, yeah, I just think, I just think Feinbaum just sounds like, like an ass. Uh, to me, What's great about a playoff is if all the parts of the country are represented. I mean, what's the fun of, you know, a playoff that, say, would have Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and one team from outside the Southeast? I mean, the, the best playoffs have teams from all over the country. Aside from that, I mean, if nobody, think, if nobody wants to see Utah, that's their fault. I mean, the Utes are a great program. Obviously, only one loss this year at USC. Um, I think Northwestern would be rooting for them to feel a little better about their season last year, Northwestern rallied to beat Utah in the bowl game in San Diego. But you know, this concept that, that people would, I guess, rather see a two loss Alabama over a potential conference champion PAC 12. I don't think Paul knows what he's talking about, or he's just so insulated that, you know, he's listening to, you know, Ruth from Hoover calling him too much. The rest of the country is, is quite sick of Alabama and wants some variety in what they watch. I totally agree. Now, you watch. Georgia probably pulls an upset over LSU, and we get two SEC <laughs> teams in that thing. Who who has the best chance of pulling an upset this weekend in your eyes? Oh, that's a great question. I, I mean, as much as I like Utah, I am taking Oregon plus 6.5. Oregon has – a lot of talent on the field. Uh, I, I'm taking Oklahoma minus eight and a half, so I don't see it there. I certainly do not see Wisconsin winning. Yeah, Georgia's got a pretty good chance. It would obviously be a slog if Georgia's going to win. It would be 16-13, something like that. But, you know, Coach O of LSU, that man, bet against him in games like this at your own peril because he is 8-2 and two against top 10 teams since 2017. And that's not against the spread. That's straight up. Eight and two. He's like the he's like the opposite of Harbaugh. <laughs> it's incredible to be that good against the, you know the best in the, in the country. So, you know that's one of those picks. Georgia's getting seven and a half. It's a very good defense. LSU doesn't have as much to play for. Ohio State doesn't have as much to play for. I mean, the battle for those coaches is going to be convincing their players to go all out. I mean, it, it's a tricky spot for Ohio State. I mean, they beat Penn State at home. They beat Michigan on the road. I mean, that is their Super Bowl. And now, you know, they got to show up at a neutral field in Indianapolis when they've already clinched a playoff spot for all intents and purposes and beat a, you know, highly motivated Wisconsin team and their 17-point favorites. So it's an interesting spot, but, but an unfortunate one for the Big Ten because I think this is the first conference championship I can think of where a playoff spot really is not on the line for either team. Yeah. What do you make of Michigan State? Looks like they're going to stay put with D'Antonio. Does that surprise you? I mean, thank God, like, Northwestern fired Mick McCall, the (laughs) offensive coordinator, because on a scale of 1 to 1,000, 1,000 being the most obvious, you know, it was like 10,000. And Michigan State is a 999 on that scale. Um, I don't really understand why they think things would get better. 
uh, and why Mark D'Antonio is being so unbelievably stubborn here. Um, they're completely stuck. You know, they're, they're a second-level Big Ten East school right now. We have all the respect for Mark D'Antonio for what he built, but, uh, you know, to, to see it kind of crumble like this and then to have there be off-the-field off stuff, and Joe Bacci, you know, he was suspended for, uh, for illegal drugs, and there's, there's still a, you know, kind of court case going on here. It's, it, it's, just, it's just ridiculous, man. Coaches have to know when to get out. They've made their money. They've made their name. Get on out. Save your reputation. You know, I, I don't know what Coach D is hoping to improve, improve next year by going five and seven or six and six again. Yeah, I'm shocked. I really thought this was his final season up in East Lansing. Hey, the Big Ten's pumping their chest up today. They won the ACC Challenge. There's some pretty good results, <laughs> including Northwestern put on an impressive display. I, yeah, I said, Greg, I said Northwestern's like a box of chocolates. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they only win when <laughs> no one thinks they are. I mean. I think the th- I think they've been probably underdogs in four games this year and have won three outright. And they looked like a real legitimate Big Ten team at Boston College the other day. They got a freshman Boo Booey who scored twenty, and uh, Miller Cop, the sophomore, who looked good. And then you know, of course, other games they lose to Merrimack and Radford. So that's a that's a strange one. Um, I, I did catch you know several of those uh, Big Ten ACC games. Obviously, Michigan State took one on the chin against Duke, the real intriguing game last night for folks here was actually DePaul. Yeah. Uh, DePaul taking down, uh, sneaking past Texas Tech. Texas Tech declining to foul, uh, you know, with seconds to play, and DePaul needing a game-tying three. They get that three. It goes to overtime, and DePaul wins. Uh, so, you know, three years ago it was Northwestern, two years ago it was Loyola, and uh, now it seems to be DePaul taking center stage. Yeah. It, it, it's never Illinois somehow. Maybe, maybe the Illini will. <laughs> We'll get it back together at some point. DePaul planning that new arena there on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, that's right. All right, uh, you gonna are you going to the Big Ten game? What are you doing this weekend? I sure am. I sure am. You know, I normally go Friday, but uh, my wife's birthday Saturday, so I want to you know resemble a good husband. So I'm at least going to be here Friday night, uh, do a little Saturday morning cake, and then off to the game. And um, you know, really want to see. Uh, how Ohio State plays, uh, if Justin Fields, you know, gets through it um, unhurt. He definitely is still battling uh, an MCL issue, a knee injury. But then he'll have some time. Uh, that semifinal, the semifinal games are very poorly dated this year. It's December 28th. In, in, a, you know, in a better world, they'd be, uh, you know, January 1st or right around. But he'll at least get, you know, three weeks to recuperate. So let's see what happens in this game. If Ohio State looks as phenomenal as it has, uh, in previous weeks, and uh, let's see if they put on a show. I'll tell you what, man, I can't think of one boring Big Ten championship game. There have been some crazy scores, 70-31. to 31. I don't have to remind you. Yeah, thanks. And last year, Northwestern rallied and made it a game in the second half, so uh, they always entertain, so hopefully we'll get more of that this year. All right, we'll travel safe. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Greg. Be well, buddy. Welcome back, Sports Nightly, here on the Husker Sports Network. We are just winding down the 2019 Nebraska football season, and in doing that, a couple of our uh, tremendous promotions that we have done throughout this season, and uh, none more important than the one we're about to talk about here momentarily. Chad Kilpatrick, head of talent community for Spreetail, and Brian Barks, president and CEO, Food Band for the Heartland, has just wrapped up a tremendous partnership and something we've talked a lot about throughout this football season. Brian, let's just uh, let's just start with you. It wasn't that long ago that we were kind of in here launching this thing. Um, let's just start first with now that it's over with, how did this kind of fit the vision of everything that, uh, that you, that you had kind of seen, seen in front of you? You know what? This has just been a tremendous opportunity for uh, the two food banks in Nebraska the food bank for the heartland in Omaha and the food bank of Lincoln, um, to be able to, um, promote our cause of, of feeding people who need help and to promote it through, uh, the power of Husker football has been a tremendous opportunity, and we are eternally grateful for Spreetail and stepping up to the plate uh, to make this thing happen. Um, you know, hey, let's face it. We would have loved to have the offense rack up a lot of yards, run it up, uh, but you know what? $20 for every offensive yard, 60 meals for every offensive yard. That's a tremendous commitment that Spreetail has made, and the two food banks are grateful. 
let's talk with you, Chad, about this kind of concept. And I, one of the great things about a growing company is you have the ability to do things like this. Um, and, and obviously, what better cause than, than feeding hungry people around the state? Let's just, from, from your side of things, um, you know, wanting to you know, conceptualize the idea, but then executing it and finally see it now, you know, after 12 football games kind of manifest. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been an exciting year and it's, it's been really excited, as you said, to see it manifest. Uh, you know, we would have liked to be at, we were just under 300,000 meals, um, from our Spreetail donation, but I'm confident the rest of the community has helped push that, that number over, um, you know, to see, uh, the community members, uh, ask about it, you know, bring it up in interviews, bring it up uh, just in random conversation or, uh, you know, having my family members say, oh, I saw Spreetail at the, at the game. Or uh, for me personally, you know, seeing the video of the event that we did uh, with, with everyone um, earlier this year was a, was a phenomenal moment um, to see that in front of 90,000 people. Um, but the purpose was, was to drive awareness of childhood hunger. And I think we've, we've done that. Uh, we're excited to do this again next year and the, the following year. Uh, and, and really, I, I think it's been successful. Not as much. We would love to see more success on the field. You know, um, for me, it was uh, digging in the box store every uh, every Sunday and Monday as we uh, updated uh, updated our website. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing this continue to grow. Brian, I know last time we talked, obviously the numbers are very important, and that's kind of you know. We're, what the mm -hmm. ultimate goal is, but you know, but the old saying, you rather have a fishing pole than a fish, you mm -hmm. know, the awareness mm -hmm. is kind of the first step. Let's just start first with, uh, with the awareness factor, you know, just with companies like this and just the outreach If people don't have the financial commitment to be able to, to help in that area, just the awareness to, of, of knowing that, that, that it's an issue. Yeah, that Ben, that is step one to understand that we do have too many people in this state who are struggling to put food on the table, and too many of them are kids. About 82,000, uh, one in six kids in Nebraska struggle with the issue of hunger. I mean, just think about that. That's almost as many people that, that were at the game on Saturday. That's unacceptable. Uh, and we're thankful that um, uh, folks like Spreetail are out there wanting to do something about it. Now, if you're out there and wanting to do something about it as well, Step one, understand that there's a problem. Step two, contact your food banks uh, and ask how you can help. Uh, a financial contribution to either the Food Bank for the Heartland in Omaha, Food Bank of Lincoln. Uh, you give us a dollar, we can distribute enough food for up to three meals. But as far as kids are concerned, uh, we have uh, two tremendous backpack programs where we partner with schools all across this state uh, to, do, to get food into the hands over the weekend to kids who may be going home on Fridays with nothing to eat. And again, think about that, that there's kids that have to struggle to find something to eat over the weekend. And that's why food banks are in business, uh, to do something about it. Uh, another thing that you can do, if you can't make a f monetary donation, uh, volunteer. Uh, we can all give time. Uh, so contact the food banks and give time. And then, of course, there's going to be folks in outside of Omaha and Lincoln that do want to get involved. How can they? Contact your local pantry. Uh, there are many pantries throughout the state that are doing some awesome, awesome work, and they need help. Uh, and just by giving an hour or two a week or every other week or whatever you're able to do will make a huge difference in your local community. I know it can be, you know, in one ear, out the other people listening when we throw out numbers, mm. but 300,000 is a, a tremendous amount. Yeah. Um, what, when, when you consider that amount, what type of impact does that have, you know, in terms of numbers and, and reaching people like paint a picture for us what kind of damage 300,000 meals can yeah can it, it 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 puts a significant dent um at our food bank uh, food bank for the heartland we last year distributed enough food for approximately 22 and a half million meals so being able to to you know throw on an extra 300,000 uh to the food banks here in in Lincoln and in Omaha that's a significant dent and the more that we can do and grow and get more companies involved or more people involved in this tremendous campaign the more impact that we can have on the issue of child hunger in the state of Nebraska. Chad, when you hear those numbers and then, I mean, for you, ultimately you want to raise as much as possible, mm -hmm. then to, to hear $22.5 what's the satisfaction for you knowing that, you know, your company is, you know, had a large, if not a direct impact in, in reaching that number? 
Yeah, it means a lot. It also reminds me how much work we have to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm hopeful other companies will join us in this effort, uh, you know, next year. But it's uh, it's it's a lot of pride from employees, you know, throughout throughout the past couple months, you know, uh, really excited, you know, really excited about this program and, um, you know, messaging me. Uh, you know, we had we uh, we interviewed uh, we've interviewed people, uh, interns potentially um, for the, from the football team. And uh, this this is coming to come up for a uh, topic of conversation. And so it's uh, it means a lot. And, and we're excited um to just have have a little bit of an impact, but we're hoping that it grows um, for years to come. Brian, when we hear of this time of the year, right, Thanksgiving and Christmas, just the human in us thinks this is the time, but you we know it it's a 12-month-a-year yeah. situation. But, you know, for those that, you know, have extra food items or what, what types of items that people have left over from the holidays or are planning to get for Christmas that, you know, if they want to just – you know, buy an extra one that 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 you'll take. Great question. Um, most items that the food banks need are things like canned vegetables, canned fruit, and canned meats. Say like canned chicken, canned tuna, uh, peanut butter, uh, proteins. Those are, are are really important uh, items that we need in our organization. I point out peanut butter because that that is a good source of protein. It can stretch for um, a long period of time. Um, so, you know, picking up an extra jar or two of peanut butter can make a big difference. Yeah. So obviously, you know, conscious thinking of that in the holiday time, usually this time of year, you know, people are, are more apt to think about others and, you know, want to get in a, in a, in a direct, uh, you know, impact in a direct way. And that's certainly one way to do it. Well, guys, I mean, Brian, you and I chatted a few months ago about kind of this thing just getting lifted off the ground and, and Chad at that time, we, were, we weren't quite sure what type of impact we've had, mm-hmm. but 300,000 meals. We wish we had another game or two to, to add to that total. Hopefully mm-hmm. next year, that's the case, but just tremendous work. And, and it's, it's just been really cool to see. And, and hopefully, you know, this was everything that you'd hoped it'd be. Well, yeah, thank you. And it's big. This is a team effort. So there's so many people involved with this. And so we're thankful for Husker Sports Network um, and both food banks. We're very, very, we're, we're very fortunate to have two amazing food banks here in Nebraska that are doing phenomenal things. Um, you know, they have, they have food trucks that go to different stops throughout the cities and throughout places throughout Nebraska that they're doing just a phenomenal job of getting to the people that, that need this help. And so I'm confident knowing that what we're doing here and the great partnerships we're creating is just having a tremendous impact. Brian, thank you so much for everything you do. And before we let you go, people, again, if they want more information, where can they go to find you? You know what? I think one of the best places they can go is the website, strongerthanhunger.org. You can go to that website and you can find out information on both food banks at that place, at that location. And you can also make a donation. (laughs) Perfect time. Brian Barks, President and CEO of Food Bank for the Heartland. Chad Kilpatrick, Head of Talent Community for Spreetail. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming in. We we hope... uh, you know, this was a, a great time for you guys, and you know the holidays just continue to uh, to further that effort. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Ben. No, Be thank well. you. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Nebraska eight one one says go dig red before you dig. Always call or click eight one one to have your utility lines marked. It's free. It's easy, and it's the law. Last couple of minutes of sports alley here on a Thursday night. Ben, maybe flip it over to some NBA action. Did you catch uh, LeBron James's? Highlights from last night? Yeah, highlights in a different way. Uh, didn't feel like dribbling for a little while. Didn't get called didn't for it get, either. No, didn't get called for a foul. And then <laughs> four minutes left in the game, gives his shoes away, and then runs out on the floor in his socks uh, to congratulate his teammates. Yeah, really just uh, – <laughs> I can't remember the, the guy who was guarding him. And he's like looking at the ref like he just walked. He yeah. went like two steps without even dribbling the basketball. Yep. Yeah, just just not a good look. But hey, that's you know when you're the I don't know, however many time MVP, you can get away with that. The type king, of stuff. he's the king. Yep. All right, Nebraska um, big weekend. I mean, volleyball cranks up tomorrow night. Husker basketball on Saturday. You're going to have the college football pairings that are going to be revealed on Sunday. All the bowl matchups on Sunday. Big recruiting weekend for Nebraska football. I mean, there's a lot going on in the next 48 to 72 hours. Yeah, there is. And we're about to hit another lull, you know, at the end of January uh, with the end of the NFL. But, yeah, man, it's always a sad day when Husker football ends. It does, but they're certainly knee-deep in this recruiting cycle, yeah. and this is a big stretch here. Well, they if you don't make a bowl game, you better be using that time to make up ground somewhere else, and that's recruiting. And it, by all accounts, it's been a good week. 
Now, today you had the decommitment of, of the young man from Independence Junior College, so the class goes back to 14, but four to five young men will be on campus this weekend. The weather's going to be nice. You may scoff at that, but that's important. Yeah. I mean, you bring these kids up from the south, and you bring them into Lincoln in December, and if it's a 45 to 50-degree day, they're going, oh, I, I can handle this. Yeah. And th- I think that factors into the perception of this whole thing. And so uh, hopefully that goes well. Um, we need some more talent. We need some more depth in this program. We need some more playmakers on both sides of the football. We had a caller earlier in the show that said, where are the needs? You nailed it. It's wide receiver and, and the linebacking spots. Those are where this team has got to get better. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. And, and players that can come in and help, not just guys to fill up the scholarship limit, but guys that can come in. You uh, see potential in right away, whether they're projects or or whatever. You know, guys that you can see coming in and be program changing type players. That's who we need in here. You know, and I've told I was on one of our affiliates earlier today, and they said, you know, where can they make a jump next year? And I go, I think it can be in special teams because I think this year I love those true freshman defensive backs, but they wanted a redshirt all of them, so they can only play them a couple of games. Those kids will be redshirt freshmen next year, and they may not still be starting, but they can play on special teams. And all of a sudden, if you have Miles Farmer and Quentin Newsom out there Noah Pulligates covering kicks you're probably better on your cover units yeah and you have to be I mean let's let's be honest Nebraska couldn't have been much worse in the special teams department and you hope the analyzing and coaching done in that area in, in particular gets better and they can uh you know they can go make some ground up on on special teams because it was not good this year hurt us badly in both the Iowa and the Wisconsin games badly all right callers into our show dial us up on our sports only hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family bringing you more choices in brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse thanks to Ben to Tim to Brett and all of you for being a part of this one tonight no show tomorrow Husker volleyball will be on the air Nebraska plays in the NCAA tournament against Ball State. So tomorrow night at this time, you'll be listening to John Bader and Lauren Cook-West. Have a great weekend. We're back with you on Monday. This is the Husker Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. You're listening to Sports Nightly.